Thanks for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. So, it is a great question, an important one, a difficult one, and that question is, what matters most in life? Jesus rarely answered questions, but this one, he did. This past Sunday at Storyline's Gathering, we continued our new series, Love Matters Most. The band performed songs by James Bay, Sarah Burrell, Wild Rivers, and more. Let's have a listen.
I have been testing you the entire day. Did you know that? Of course. And I'm happy to say that you passed. So effective immediately, I am promoting you from assistant to the regional manager to assistant regional manager. Michael, I don't know. I know, I know, I know, I know. I wouldn't be offering it if I didn't think you could handle it. I can handle it. I know. I can. Okay. So I guess this will just be my office. No, no. Title change only. I'll have Pam send out a memo. No, no. Three-month probationary period. Let's just not tell anybody about this right now. Just a formality. Absolutely, but not really. Michael. So much to learn from you. Yes, you do. I told Dwight that there is honor in losing, which, as we all know, is completely ridiculous. But there is, however, honor in making a loser feel better, which is what I just did for Dwight. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. Good morning, Storyline. It is so good to be together this morning, extra good to be together this morning. I was actually getting nervous as this week came to an end, thinking we were going to have another snow day, which for me on a Sunday is a real bummer. Every other day of the week, it's really great as a teacher, I'm not going to lie. You know, at my age, I still like am watching the news and like waiting for that text alert. And it's just, I know moms may not feel this way, <laughs> or parents, but teachers sometimes get excited about snow days, I'm not going to lie. So um, yeah, the weather has been crazy, right? My daughter uh, lives in Florida, and I've been sending her updates about our weather. And she texted me back and she goes, Dad, we have a winter weather advisory. And I'm like, Florida, right? Okay. And so I text back, for what? And she said, Dad, it was so cold here this morning. There was a, this is true, a wind chill advisory in northern Florida, where she's kind of north central Florida. And because of this, are you ready? The wind chill felt like, she goes, outside, it feels like 48 degrees. <laughs> I'm like, I would go to the beach with 48 degree wind chill right now. So here's what all that means with all the weather that's been happening. We are in week two instead of week three of a new series that we're calling Love Matters Most. And a friend of mine sent me this classic scene from The Office and I thought, oh my gosh, this is absolutely perfect. It's the perfect segue between what we talked about two weeks ago and where we're headed this morning. I shared a couple uh, Sundays ago that each of us takes a test every day. The goal of my life is blank. And we all have to fill in that blank. And while we, we can and we do fill in that blank, we do feed that fire with all kinds of things, often good things. What we discovered a couple weeks ago is that anything less than the best thing will fail us in the end. So while success or security or health or wealth or affirmation, even things like control and respect are good things, the question is, are they the best thing? And what we saw a couple weeks ago is that according to the Bible, only love can ultimately fill in our blank space. Love is the best thing. Love is the highest good. 
We were made in love, by love, for love, to love. God is love, and he made us in his image. And so that means for us to flourish, that only happens when the goal of our life becomes the source of life itself, which is love. Loving to love and to be loved is our highest good. But it isn't just the I've been testing you part of this scene that I think helps us today. While it may sound ridiculous for Michael Scott to say something like, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy, both. (laughs) I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. That actually isn't all that far off from what God wants for us. Not because God needs our love and not because he wants us to be afraid of anything about him. Okay, when the Bible talks about fearing the Lord, it means um, actually to worship. We've talked about that in the past. Um, But Michael Scott needs us to love him. Okay, God's not like that. So this is something that God wants for us because he's a loving God. And that means that loving others and loving him is the way we live our very best lives. And this is why the Bible says things like this. Let love be your greatest aim. And everything you do must be done in love. Not because God is testing us. It is because God is inviting us to let love change us. To let love transform us into beings whose goal in life is love. That, in the end, will result in each of us finding, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, finding heaven heavenly. And so last uh, two weeks ago, we started to ask this question. What is love? Like, let's, can we kind of dissect this a little bit? What's the definition? And we discovered it's really hard to define. You can turn to philosophy. You can turn to psychology. And you don't find one single definition. And while the Bible doesn't even de- define love, it does have a lot to say about it. And the first thing that it tells us, and this first point that we, I want to go over, we, talked, we touched on a couple weeks ago. The first one is that love is divine. Love is divine. We love because God first loved us. God first. That's really what we have to, that's the first thing that we have to know and remember and think about when we think about love. God first. God first loved us unconditionally. Before we passed or failed the test, before we got something right or wrong, before we did anything at all, His love for us is what gives us the desire for love, to be loved, and to be loving. When we find ourselves in that space, when we are really resonating with something, when something is bringing us alive, when we would say, I love this, this is a signpost. It is a clue to us from God that we were made in love, by love, for love, to love. His love for us is what gives us the desire for love, to be loved and to be loving. God is not waiting for us to get it right, to pass some tests, to understand this, to stop doing that, or to believe the right way before he'll love us. He loves us eternally, unceasingly, and our lack of love for him is not our first problem. Our problem is our lack of understanding of how much he loves us 
first, first. Again, one of Jesus' first um, followers, a man named John, wrote this. We know and we rely on the love God has for us. And we talk about this a lot, that faith is not really so much about believing something is true, although it is that, but it's primarily that trusting something is good or something is good for you. So if we don't rely on, as in trust, that God's love for us as, is good for us, we are going to struggle with loving God. We're going to really struggle with loving people. Not the people who love us, maybe, because that's easy. We all love the people who love us. I love it when people love me. My favorite people are people who think I'm their favorite person. <laughs> I've discovered this about, why do you like that guy so much? Because he likes me so much. It's great. Those people are awesome, right? And both of you out there, I want to thank you for, the, for <laughs> thinking that way about me. But are, are, you, are you ever surprised to find out when someone doesn't like you? I am. <laughs> like, I'm sure that doesn't surprise any of you who know me well. But not, you know, not that there are people who don't like me, but that I'm surprised by that, right? <laughs> but it's hard to love people who don't like us. But what about people who are even worse? Like, they're difficult, they're demanding, they're unreasonable, they're unfair, impolite, maybe even selfish and cruel. That's not only difficult, it can feel impossible. Yet God calls us to love them too. And, and how does that happen? Well, it begins with trusting that God loves us, that love is divine, and that God's love comes first, and that we, we have faith in God's love for us. That is, that we trust and rely on God's love for us first, before we are all as beautiful and amazing, magic, and magically delicious as we all know that we are, right? And as humble. Here, here's the thing. Divine love. Love. The love that God wants us to live with, live in and live out. Love doesn't wait to be loved, to love. Because, and this is the second observation, I think, as we kind of take apart love. Love is a choice, and love is a commitment. We choose to love or not to love. We have pretty much bought into the myth in our culture that love is uncontrollable, like it just happens to you. And that's really not the picture that the Bible gives us of what love is. Love is a choice and a commitment in the Bible. Even the language we use makes it seem like love is like totally out of our hands. Like, I fell in love. Like, love's a ditch or something, right? And, and I was minding my own business, just walking along, and then bam, like it happened. I couldn't help myself. But that isn't love. That isn't love. Attraction is uncontrollable, but attraction is not the same thing as love. Now, I don't get to do weddings anymore, but over the years, I did quite a few. And here are some of, these are actually mostly storyliners, in fact. And it was 
awesome. I love doing weddings. I loved it so much. I mean, aren't these pictures amazing? It's just beautiful. Some of these go way back. And so they're so gorgeous, these pictures. And I don't know about you, but maybe it's just me, but I think the couples look good too in these. (laughs) And so, but at every wedding, every wedding I've ever had the privilege to officiate, I talk about this. You know, you think that you fell into love but today, the walking begins, right? I have another line that I use in every wedding I've ever done. We're so glad that you guys have fallen in love, but you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. And the people who've been married the longest laugh the loudest, right? Because we know if you're married, you know that there's much more to it than attraction and falling. Because love is a choice. It's a commitment. And actually, one of the ways to think about this is that love is is not God's gift to marriage, but marriage is God's gift to love. Because marriage shows us what true love is. It isn't something you fall into and you fall out of. Love is something we choose, we commit to, we walk into eyes wide open. I mean, have you ever really thought about wedding vows, right? Vows are going beyond saying, I do, because we know intuitively we're saying, I do, doesn't mean you can. Saying I do doesn't mean I can, it just means I want to. So taking vows is this tacit admission, admission. And I talk about this with couples that I've counseled before they get married. It, it, when you take a vow in front of people, in front of God, essentially whatever the vow is, the, the language behind the vow is this. I know I feel like loving you today in sickness and in health, but I'm taking this vow today in front of everyone who loves us and God himself because I know someday I'm not going to feel like loving you. So I'm vowing, I'm choosing, I'm committing to do so anyway till death do us part. A man dead and buried has risen from the grave. Three days ago in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a Mr. Alfred Blackstone of 47 years fell into a stoop. His wife called a physician, but there being no pulse, it was determined that Mr. Blackstone was most unfortunately dead. He was buried very swiftly on the grounds of the local church, where, as divine providence would have it, a wedding was due to take place the following day. (laughs) But nearing the church doors, the bride abruptly stopped. From the cemetery beyond, she had heard this inexplicable sound. The desperate, unmistakable hammering of life. In a state of frantic excitement, she ran to a nearby grave marked Alfred Blackstone. And within moments, the entire wedding congregation was digging. was pulled from the earth, very much alive, 
his widow Blackstone's embrace, Alfred turned to the groom and said, and I quote, Feller, when you get in that church and she says, till death us do part, don't you believe a word of it? <laughs> So marriage is actually God's gift to love. Marriage is God's idea. He invented it to help us see and experience what love actually is. It's to show us what love is. It's a choice. It is a commitment. Love cannot be forced. It cannot be coerced. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. There is not a world worth creating where people automatically love God. He has to create a world in which we have the choice to love him. Because a world worth creating, a world of automata, is how he says it, is not worth creating. So love can't, and it cannot be conjured or ginned up. Love is a choice and a commitment. In the Old Testament it says, choose to love the Lord your God and commit yourself to him. Love is a choice. If God were to force us to love him, we would have no choice, and then it isn't love. For God to truly love us, he has to, and he has given the choice, given us the choice to love him, to commit to love him, to choose to love him and others, or not. Which brings us to the third thing that that I think the Bible teaches us about love, which is love is an action. It's not just an emotion. Love is an action. Now look, the songs and the books and the movies, they all focus on the emotion, the attraction, the romance of love. And that's not nothing, okay? But it's not everything either. And it's not the most important thing. There's something to that. There is, but when the emotion is gone, does that mean that love is dead? And the answer is, according to the Bible, not at all, because love is an action. Love is something you do. Love is a behavior. And like a lot of this, what I'm saying this morning, can be couched in like, you know, marriage relationships or spousal relationships uh, or uh, romantic relationships, but I'm really talking about, I mean, this, could, this can apply to all kinds of relationships. In the Bible, we're commanded over and over to love each other, and emotions cannot be commanded. I cannot command you to be sad or to be happy. You can't even command yourself to feel an emotion. So if I were to say right now, Something like this thought experiment. If it isn't illegal, immoral, and it won't hurt anyone, would you be willing to do anything for a billion dollars? And most of us would say, yes, of course. And what if I said, be sad? Now, some of us could act sad. Some of us could even cry. But can we actually feel sad genuinely or feel any other emotion on command? We can't. We know we can't. We know love is not an emotion primarily because love is commanded in the Bible and emotions cannot be commanded. Love is an action. 
The Bible says in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 18, let us love not with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. We can talk a good game, but if love is an action, well, it reminds me of the girlfriend complaining to her boyfriend. You always say, honey, I would die for you. I would die for, for you. You say that, but you never do it. <laughs> or Charles Schultz in the Peanuts cartoon um, comic, echoing Dostoevsky in the guise of Linus, one time did, said this, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> love is a behavior. Love is a behavior, even with people we can't stand. Actually, acting in love when you don't feel it is actually the highest form of love. It's a more mature love. Think about this. What is the most loving act in the history of the world? It's Jesus going to the cross. Now, did he do it willingly? Yes. Was it a choice? Yes. Was it a commitment he kept? Yes. Did he feel like doing it? No. Not at all. We know this because the Bible takes great pains to show us the pain and anguish, the distress that Jesus went through to follow through with the action, the commitment, the behavior of love. The scene is in what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, and that's where this took place, this scene where Jesus knows he's about to be arrested, tortured, and crucified. And here's the thing. I, this is just amazing to me. This is on the Mount of Olives, okay, Very, right outside of Jerusalem. The meaning of Gethsemane is the place of pressing. It was where the olives were taken after they were harvested to get the oil out, to get the best stuff out of them. Jesus is under intense pressure, but he's not giving in to his emotion or following how he feels when he goes through with the most loving action in the history of existence. He's actually doing the opposite of what his emotions feel like doing. What an example. Now, if you have children, you know this. When babies are crying in the middle of the night, no one gets up thinking, yippee, this is the best feeling of all time. I'm in love. I think I'll get up again. I've been getting way too much sleep, right? No, no um, husband and wife fight over, oh, it's my turn. No, it's my turn to go you know, feed the baby or change the baby. Why don't we, so why do we do it? Because that is what love does. Love does. Love does. Holding someone's head that's sick over a toilet when they get sick. Rubbing someone's feet because they're suffering from the side effects of chemo. Changing a diaper. Going to a job that you can't stand to pay the bills to support your family. We don't do these things for fun from a place of emotional, I feel like it. We do this in love, for love, out of love, because love does. Love is an action. The Bible says, if you do all this big talk about love and faith, but you don't follow it up with action, 
really doesn't matter. See, here's the thing. It's always easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. You know, the storyline began now 18 or 19 years ago with the dream that this was supposed to be different enough to make a difference is one of the phrases that we used. That we don't just want to start our own church so that you know, we get to be the chiefs in charge. How can we cultivate a community that's different enough to make a difference? And, and one of the first things that we felt like God was, was saying to us is, it's got to be a team sport. Like, this is a group project. There is no guru, there is no secret plan, there's no organization or denomination or, you know, or some, someone guiding us along to like, this is the goal and this is what it's going to look like and this is where you should be after one year and after two years or whatever. You know, that, that's not what it was about. We knew that where we were going and how we're going to get there and what it's going to look like is going to be because of a collaboration of hearts. Everything from our Impact Sundays to Story Sundays to picnics to Saints Among Us, even what the gatherings look like on Sunday morning, from down to the, some of the lights that we put along the side or where the curtains go or that it's dark in here versus light or all these kinds of things, all of those ideas came from storyliners. We, we arrived at this together. Why? Why do we try to build it that way? And it's because we knew from the very beginning that people care about what they helped build. People care about what they helped build. Larry Sumners was a um, president of Harvard and a former secretary of the treasury, and he's got this great line. He says, never in the history of the world has someone waxed a rented car. (laughs) We don't care about things that we haven't put elbow grease into. So why do people care about storylines so much? Because this isn't a place. We don't have a place. This isn't an event. We're a people on a mission, and that mission is discovered in the hearts and the hands of each and every one of us as we are led to take action. Do you have an idea? Do you have something in you? Do you feel like love is the, the action, the behavior of love is leading you to try X, Y, or Z? You come to us with that idea, and here, here's the answer. The answer is going to be, let's do it. That's, why, that's how Storyline looks the way it looks. That's why we do Bible studies at the prison and, and take, and we support this organization or partner with this organization. It's all come from us. It's come from storyliners who, who put their hearts in play, put their love on the line. A couple weeks ago, my friend Al was telling me about the giving at Storyline and the phenomenal generosity of this community. I, I could cry up here just thinking about it. And then he said this, after he's telling me, giving me this great report, he goes, and we don't even pass a plate. Do you know that over the years, I've literally had dozens of people ask me how to give money to Storyline? People come to me and ask, how do we support this? We don't ask people. People ask us, how do I give? Why? Because we've done this together. We've built this together. And we care about what we've helped to create. It's love in action. 
it, it's love as an action. And when we make a commitment, and when we take action, when we contribute and we participate, the feelings follow. The feelings of belonging, the feelings of love follow the loving action. You, when you, you wax a car, you're going to care about that car more. You'll go, wow, that, I thought that was ugly. Now I think it's kind of a nice car. That's what happens. The best example of this, I think, can be found, ironically, in families that have suffered divorce. And it never fails. I've walked with dozens of families through this. It's always tragic. And, and it's some scenario like this, generally, after 20, 25 years um, of marriage, the spouses claim they've fallen out of love. Their spouse doesn't do it for them anymore. They don't feel the love anymore. But when I ask them, so how, how are things with the children? How, how do you feel about the children? And often children in these situations are still children or maybe teens. Translation, these kids have not done anything for their parents. Nothing. It's all take, right? Both spouses immediately always say, oh my gosh, we, we love our kids with everything we've got. With, with everything we got. Now, isn't that interesting? Decades of loving action and behavior, of commitments kept to our children, cultivates intense feelings of love. But when we look for or wait for the feelings first in our relationship with our spouse, and they're gone, then we stop the loving action, the commitment, and then we wonder, where have the feelings gone? It's always easier to act yourself into a loving feeling than it is to feel your way into a loving action. This is, I think, what the Bible is showing us about love. When we commit to serve, contribute, and take loving action, be it in storyline, or with our children, or with our spouse, it generates over time incredible feelings of love. Feelings follow behavior. In the book of Revelation, Jesus described this principle, this concept like this. You have left your first love. So remember what it was like at first. Repent. And that just means change. Stop. Turn around. Do differently. And do the things you did at the start. Jesus is inviting us to shift our focus from how we feel to, to, living, to living out love. Stop thinking about tomorrow. Start thinking about love. Can't sweep the cold up until the light. Now you're leaving me lonely. I could get in my car and I'm drunk in some bar. That was the old me Remember the night when we slept on the floor And you told me you loved me But you don't ever think about that It's kind of like a life went off And now you're dancing on giving me up Thinking that we're so far gone And there ain't no Yeah. 
be right back You'll find some man with a rock and roll band Maybe you'll like that Remember the lake when it started to rain, baby And I just held you But you don't even think about that thinking about love I'm just thinking about love oh, oh, oh. The next month in February, the first two weekends of February, we're going to be, I'm going to be sharing two messages I've actually done before in the past, and um, they're really um, the most requested talks I've ever done in storyline. They're viewed more and they're listened to more on our website than any talks that we've done, and it's going to be two weeks on marriage. And February 4th and February 11th, I'm super excited about it, and I hope you'll be able to be with us. But... Um, I just think it's, you know, marriage is God's gift to love. And in a series called Love Matters Most, I'm really looking forward to diving into more of this idea, uh, the mission and the meaning of marriage. And so that's what we're going to be talking about the first two Sundays of February. So what if the reason, the emotion, the feelings of love went away is we stopped doing We stopped doing the things that created, cultivated, nurtured the love feelings in the early days. You see, love is like everything else. If the only time we pray is when we feel like praying, we will never pray. Or maybe I should just speak for myself, okay? But in fact, the times that we least feel like praying are the times we most need to pray. If we wait to feel like working out before we work out, will never work out. Okay, again, maybe I should just speaking for myself. But then here's the thing. It, when we feel, um, then we'll feel like working out less and less. We'll feel like praying less and less. But if we pray when we don't feel like it, guess what? 
we'll feel like praying more. If we'll work out when we don't feel like it, guess what? What happens is we begin to feel like working out more. When we love, even when we don't feel like it, we will, in time, grow to love loving. Love is a choice. It is an action. God is a God of action. You know, there are lots of different gods and lots of different religions. In many of them, God is depicted as passive, removed, watching the world and us from afar. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God of action, a God who enters in, a God for whom love is much more than an emotion. Love is a commitment. It is a choice. It is an action. And we're made in that image. That means until we are engaging that part of our life, until we are taking action before we feel a certain way, there's an untapped part of our image. that It's, it's latent. It's not being awakened in us. That is why we feel so alive when we make commitments and we keep them. Years ago, I went to a spiritual boot camp and uh, I was talking to the guy. After. It was amazing. It was a weekend of just a bunch of seminars and all this kind of stuff, and I talked to the main speaker afterwards, and I said, how is it? Why do you believe that God is good? And he said, because of the life of Jesus, which I really resonated with. And I said, well, what is it? What miracle? What this, that, or the other? And he said, it's because Jesus kept all his commitments. And it blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. And I walked away from that thinking, and I shared it with Storyline the next weekend, that the most miraculous thing about Jesus is, is it's not the things that he did that we can't. It's the things that he did that we won't. It's not walking over water. It's walking up to somebody and loving them where they are, as they are. When we don't feel like loving, that's the test. And the test is, are you going to live by your feelings or by your faith? Are we going to follow our emotion or allow our motion to lead us into feelings? And that brings us to the fourth thing I want to say about love this morning. That love is a skill. Love is a skill because love is a choice, an action, a commitment. It is something that we can get better at. Look, we want storyline. I would... I want us to be famous. We want Storyline to be famous for love. Love. Look, we work really hard to make all of our environments from Impact and Kidport and Second Story and, and our gatherings excellent. We really do. There, there is a large team of committed and talented folks who work very hard to make everything that we do as good as we can do it. So that when we're together, it's something that's worthwhile. That, that hopefully when we're together and as we go back into our lives, our everyday lives, we think that was worth it. That was worthwhile. But we don't want to be a church that's known for a church with great programs. Although we'd love to have great programs. Or a church that meets in a school. Although this is our first choice. This is great. And we don't want to be a church that's known for, oh, they have these two guys. Both are named Mike. One is super talented, creative, unbelievably gifted, has this voice I could listen to all day. The other one leads the band. And we, 
We want to be famous. We want to be famous for love. For our discipline, committed, action-oriented, self-sacrificial, generous skill of loving people. The Bible says, dear friends, let us practice loving each other. Love is a skill. We practice skills. The more you do it, the better you get at it. My wife is amazing at loving people because she gets lots of practice. Wherever there are people, there is Lisa. Oh, I mean, we are always the last people to leave. All of the, wherever we are, there's people left. She's got to talk to them, right? I am an introvert. She is an explosion vert. And I don't get, so I don't get as much practice at loving people. We want to be a people, a community that practices love, that gets better at loving people. And that happens when we practice the divine, God first, commitment, action-oriented skill of love. It's totally possible to get better at loving people because love is a skill. The Bible goes on in this passage to say, for love comes from God, and those who are loving and kind show that they are the children of God and that they are getting to know him better. My dear friend and mentor, Susan Wilson, used to say, we don't learn our way into loving, we love our way into loving. In other words, it's not about information. It's not about knowing new things about love that helps us to be more loving. It's we love our way into loving. We act our way into that. We practice that action as if it's a skill, we'll get better at it. When we practice the choice, the action, the commitment, the skill of love, we become more loving. Last thing, the Bible teaches us that love is a habit. We are not a loving people unless we are loving habitually. If we only love on and off, like a light switch, like, I'm going to love this person, but not that person. Yes, I'll love you, but no, I won't love you. You don't look the right way. You don't say the right things. You don't believe the right way. You're out. You're in. If that's how we are, if our love is like a light switch, we are not being loving. Love happens when we love habitually, even the unloving, when we love them. Jesus said, if you, love, if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Love is a habit. If I said to my wife, Lisa, I am going to be faithful to you six days a week. (laughs) That is not faithfulness. That's unfaithfulness. If I told you from this stage, I promise I'm going to tell you the truth most of the time. That's dishonesty. That's not honesty. We are not kind and loving people if we are only kind and loving people some of the time to some of the people or to the right people. I think this tells us, all of this, these five points about love tells us that as we take this deeper look at love, that we have a lot of growing to do, a lot of change in front of us, a lot of critical transformation yet to go through when it comes to love. But the good news is this, God already knows this about us, And he loves us already anyway. Letting him love us, allowing his love to flow through us more and more is what our process, our transformation, our journey 
our life of love, with love, toward love, for love, that's what brings it alive.
we know this is Ellen folks let's hear for Ellen so great our fir her first time with us wow so God is not testing us to see how much we love him yet love is far from something that we just feel or fall into and it's far from easy the good news is that love is alive love itself love himself has come to us Love has come for us, for God is love, and he will never stop, never give up on us. Because love, the divine, committed, action-oriented skill and habit of love matters most. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place and for this opportunity to be together. We thank you for loving us, for the gift of love for the invitation to make the choice to love you and to love one another. God, I pray that this week you would help us to see all of those opportunities and help us to move forward into them, to take action before we feel like it. That's how you loved us, and we're so thankful for that. God, I pray that as we leave here this morning, you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. We can go home now. I heard that. That's good. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. Have a blessed week.